1: I'd like to welcome everyone to episode 9 of season 1 of Criminology. I'm Mike Ferguson and with me is my co-host Mike Morford. Morf, how are you?
2: I'm doing good. I'm living the dream and talking with you about some true crime, so about I'm good. About the Zodiac. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to believe we're at episode 9 already, but here we are.
1: Let's go back to episode 8. We wrapped up the timeline of the Zodiac case and detailed how Zodiac's last official contact came in 1974. And now it's finally here, Morf, an episode that I know you and I are both very excited about. We're going to talk about some of the suspects and persons of interest in the Zodiac case.
2: Yeah, Mike, this is one that I've been looking forward to from the beginning because the inner detective in me wants to come out and know who was responsible for the Zodiac murders and, and the letter writing. And just like we did with the case, we're going to take a deep dive here and give you some really good information about lots of suspects and persons of interest. So many of these suspects are ones that have been on the radar since the very beginning of the Zodiac case. And some are ones that you might not have heard of. We're going to lay out all the details for these men and let you know how and why they're suspects. One thing we want to do is give you sort of a pros and cons list for each one, and then you can make up your mind as a listener about which ones are interesting and let you draw your own conclusions about who may or may not be the Zodiac?
1: So I think the first thing we have to do is, you know, make the statement up front that we're not accusing anyone of being the Zodiac. What we're doing is laying out the list of suspects, potential suspects, persons of interest. And I think we have to start this off with the big names that Robert Graysmith discussed in his book, Zodiac. And of course, you have to start with the most well-known Zodiac suspect of all, and that's Arthur Lee Allen.
2: So in Robert Graysmith's book, Zodiac, he gave Arthur Lee Allen the pseudonym Bob Hall Star. In the sequel to Zodiac, Zodiac Unmasked, Graysmith revealed Allen's actual name. Allen had been turned in as a suspect in 1971 by a man named Don Chaney and a business associate of Chaney's. Don Chaney had been friends with Arthur Lee Allen before Chaney moved to Southern California. And Chaney came forward with such a story that if it's true, I mean, it would have to almost certainly mean that Arthur Lee Allen had to be the Zodiac.
1: Chaney claimed that while they were out hunting one time, he and Arthur Lee Allen had a very interesting conversation in which Allen brought up the subject of hunting people. He allegedly detailed how you could attach a light to the end of a gun and shoot people at night. And Chaney went on to tell police that Allen had a pretty big gun collection and he usually carried a weapon at all times. Chaney added that Allen was not successful with women, and Chaney recalled that he thought the conversation he had with Allen about hunting people had occurred prior to December of 1968, which would have been before the murders of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen.
2: Investigators were pretty interested in Cheney's story. They did a background check which revealed that Allen had previous run-ins with the law for fighting and alleged child molestation. As it turns out, Allen's name was actually in Vallejo's list of persons of interest. Sergeant John Lynch had actually questioned Allen on October 6, 1969, just five days before the Zodiac killed Paul Stein in San Francisco. The report by Lynch didn't mention how or why he became interested in Allen in the first place. The investigators decided to arrange a surprise meeting to interrogate Allen further. On August 4, 1971, inspectors Dave Tosky and Bill Armstrong of the SFPD, as well as Detective Jack Mullinex of the Vallejo PD, paid Alan a visit at the oil refinery where he worked.
1: The investigators sat down with the 37-year-old Alan, and the first thing they noticed was that he closely resembled Zodiac's physical description. He was around six feet tall and around 250 pounds, but he didn't look like the sketch that was created and circulated after the murder of Paul Stein. As they interviewed Alan, they noticed that he was wearing a watch with a cross-circle logo like Zodiac's on the face, and it was the name of the manufacturer that really caught their attention, Zodiac. Police mentioned the watch to Alan, and he told them that it had been a gift from his mother about two years earlier.
2: It was also during this interview that Alan volunteered, without being prompted that he was aware of the Zodiac's Riverside activity after seeing it on the news. He admitted that he had been to Riverside for some auto races. And one more thing that Alan mentioned when being interviewed by investigators was that he had read a book in high school that had made a lasting impression on him. And the book was The Most Dangerous Game, something we know that Zodiac likely was inspired by or referenced in his writings.
1: After the investigators concluded the interview with Alan They felt that he was definitely suspicious, and they elevated him up their list of suspects. Police began to investigate Allen, talking to people that he knew or that he had worked with. And through these talks, they were able to learn a lot about Arthur Allen. They found out that he was a loner, he didn't date women, he was an avid outdoorsman, and he owned twenty-two caliber handguns. And, of course, the police knew right away that he had been in trouble in the past over alleged inappropriate contact with children.
2: While Arthur Lee Allen was an oddball, he wasn't a stupid guy. He was actually pretty smart and had a high IQ. He had taught school for a while before being fired after the child abuse allegations. He himself took college courses on and off. Most of the time, Allen lived with his mother in the basement of her home at 32 Fresno Street in Vallejo during the Zodiac crimes. But in 1971, when police finally were taking a hard look at him, he was living in Santa Rosa. Police didn't feel that they had enough evidence to get a search warrant for the property at 32 Fresno Street, but they got around a warrant by asking Alan's brother if he would search the home and turn over anything of Allen's that might be incriminating. They wanted his brother to look for stuff that resembled Zodiac's codes and ciphers. Allen's brother agreed to help, but didn't find anything of value.
1: Although police hit a dead end at Allen's Vallejo residence, they were able to get a warrant to search a trailer that he had in Santa Rosa. In September 1972, almost a full year after questioning Allen at his job, Toski and Armstrong, accompanied by an SFPD fingerprint expert named Robert Daggett's, Warrant in Hand went to search Allen's trailer. When they got there, Allen wasn't home, so they gained entry and started searching. And what they found inside the trailer looked like what you would expect to find in the home of a serial killer.
2: So the report detailed that they found a freezer that contained the bodies of several squirrels. They also found a lot of pornographic material and a large dildo and a jar of Vaseline. So this seemed to touch on the latent homosexual angle as far as Zodiac was concerned. In the middle of the search, Allen arrived home finding the investigators inside the trailer. It was then that Toski and Armstrong served Allen with the search warrant.
1: One thing that the warrant allowed was for the police to collect samples of Allen's handwriting. The detectives gave him a pen and some paper and instructed him to print the text from one of Zodiac's letters he was given instruction to write this text twice once with his right hand and once with his left the investigation into Arthur Lee Allen had revealed that he was ambidextrous and could write with both hands the search of the trailer concluded with Daggett's taking several prints from Allen to compare against latent and partial print evidence apparently left by Zodiac along the way the most notable print was the bloody one left on Paul Stein's cap.
2: Toski and Armstrong had a gut feeling that Allen was their guy. Jack Mullinex with the Vallejo PD thought Allen might be the guy as well. All the investigators could do was sit back and wait and see if Allen's prints or writing matched Zodiac's. They didn't have to wait long before they got the results. Sherwood Morrill concluded that samples of Allen's writing from both his right and left hands did not match Zodiac's writings. Daggett's gave them the bad news that Allen's prints did not match any of the possible prints from Zodiac.
1: And you know, Morphe, this had to have been a massive letdown to police. At this point, investigators, despite having all of these nagging gut feelings about Allen, they had to put him on the back burner as a suspect until something else came along that could conclusively tie him to the case. On October 4th, 1974, Arthur Lee Allen was arrested by the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department, but it would have nothing to do with the Zodiac. He was arrested for molesting a young boy and Allen was convicted and sent to the Atascadero State Hospital.
2: This arrest once again set off interest from investigators as a Zodiac suspect. This time, the California Department of Justice started looking at Allen as possibly being a Zodiac suspect. And at the same time the DOJ was looking at Allen as a Zodiac suspect, the Sonoma County Sheriff's Department was investigating Allen as a suspect in the murders of several women in the Santa Rosa area, dubbed the Santa Rosa Hitchhiker Murders. These murders occurred between 1972 and 1973 in and around Santa Rosa, California.
1: And these Santa Rosa hitchhiker murders were a brutal series of murders of young women that had hitchhiked in and around Santa Rosa. It turned out that Alan's Santa Rosa trailer was right in the middle of where many of the hitchhiker victims' bodies had been found. Some of these victims had been bound with clothesline that would turn out to be very similar to that used by the Zodiac at Lake Berryessa. In the end, however, Sonoma County could not connect Allen to any of the victims or the crimes.
2: Meanwhile, the DOJ, in an effort to help rule out Allen as being the Zodiac, asked him to take a lie detector test, which he agreed to. And sources close to the investigation revealed that Allen took and passed the test. As in Sonoma County's investigation into Allen being responsible for the hitchhiker murders, the DOJ also hit a dead end, tying him to the zodiac murders. There were still many investigators that felt strongly that Allen was the zodiac, but there was no physical evidence, prints or writing that could link him to the case.:
1: Allen served his time for the molestation, and after being released on August 31, 1977, he once again moved back to live with his mother in her basement at 32 Fresno Street in Vallejo. In the 1980s, Robert Graysmith's book Zodiac was published. The book focused on Allen as a suspect, but once again, Graysmith used the pseudonym Robert Hall Star for Allen. Graysmith, like many investigators, thought that Allen could be Zodiac. So this book piqued the interest of investigators that had suspected Allen all along of being the Zodiac.
2: In late 1990. Ralph Spinelli, an acquaintance of Allen's, came forward to investigators with an offer to give them info that would finally nail Allen as being Zodiac. Spinelli himself was facing serious hard time for a series of armed robberies. What he wanted in exchange for his information was to have his slate cleaned. By this time, retired Vallejo detective George Bauert, who was still working part-time on the Zodiac case for Vallejo, was primarily handling the Zodiac case. And he couldn't arrange to have Spinelli's punishment simply erased. His crimes were too serious. But Bauer dug into Spinelli's claims anyhow.
1: And one of Spinelli's claims was that Allen, all the way back in October of 1969, had told him that he was going to San Francisco to kill a cab driver. This allegedly happened the day before cab driver Paul Stein was killed. And while Spinelli was hardly an honest or trustworthy source, it was very hard for Bauert not to want to check into this possibility and once again put Allen under a microscope. Bauert made a case for a search warrant to be issued to search the 32 Fresno Street home once again in a last-ditch effort to tie Allen to the Zodiac case. And on February 13th, 1991 a judge signed off allowing Vallejo PD to execute a search warrant at Allen's home where he now lived alone following the death of his mother.
2: On the next day, February 14th, police surprised Allen showing up at his home with the search warrant. What they found in his home was a small arsenal of handguns, rifles, and shotguns. They also confiscated pipe bombs and bomb-making materials. Police took into evidence Allen's Zodiac watch and some newspaper articles about the Zodiac case that they found. Despite the seeming treasure trove of materials, none of it wound up linking Allen physically to the Zodiac case.
1: After all of this exposure and info leaking out to the press that Allen was a strong suspect, he didn't have much privacy. He started to do interviews with newspapers and television programs in an effort to defend himself.
0: It took, uh, a lot of my tapes they took uh, uh samples of my handwriting um they screwed up a lot of my stuff here too but that that wasn't they didn't take that uh, they took a couple of typewriters i know who the guy was i'd never said a word to him i didn't like the punk and i said well this guy must be on the hot seat for something oh no no he just he just phoned down and had volunteered this information well i found out the next day from a different police officer that yeah he sure had he was trying to plea bargain because he was facing 30-year rap on on multiple armed robberies i couldn't murder anyone it's difficult as hell and it can be (laughs) it can be terribly depressing And if I deserved any of it, that would be something different, but I don't. There are two types of liars in the world, fishermen and policemen, and not necessarily in that order. And their function is lying to you is to trip you up. They can't do it to me because I have nothing to trip over. I'm not the Zodiac Killer. I know that. I I know that deep in my soul. I've never been known for good luck, and I guess this is pretty much living proof of it. I couldn't murder anyone. Well, they weren't able to get me for the simple reason that I, I've never killed anyone in my life and don't intend to. There are a lot of people around who, who with, with all this bad publicity, uh, are probably sure that I'm, I'm a Zodiac. People who know me, no problem. Thank God for our Constitution because that says a person is innocent until proven guilty. I enjoy a good tussle, but hey, even odds. There were coincidences that that tended to point towards me, and killing just for the pleasure of it, it's just totally foreign to me.
1: What you just heard were interviews that Arthur Lee Allen gave back in 1991.
2: In August of 1991, police reached out to surviving Zodiac victim Mike Mageau. They wanted to see if Mageau could positively ID Arthur Lee Allen as the man that had shined a light in his eyes before opening fire on him at Blue Rock Springs on July 4th, 22 years earlier.
1: George Bauert sat down with Mageau, showed him photos of various men. Mixed into this collection was a photograph of Arthur Lee Allen. Mageau studied the photos and responded by saying, that's him. That's the man that shot me. He was pointing directly at a photograph of Arthur Lee Allen. He then moved on to another man in a photo and said, but he had a face more like this guy. Bauert asked Majeux if he was saying that the other guy looked more like Zodiac, but Majeux came back to Allen as the guy. Bauert asked Majeux on a scale from one to ten, how sure was he that Alan was the Zodiac? Majot said that he was an eight.
2: So a couple of things are important here, I think. Mike Majot had seen only a partial silhouette of Zodiac when Zodiac walked back to his car after shooting Mike. The rest of the time, Mike had a light shining in his face. Not to mention, it's been widely reported that Majot may have struggled with alcohol and drugs during the 20-year period between being shot and picking out Allen's photo. So we don't know how reliable Majot's ID actually was.
1: What we do know is that Bauert was excited about the ID of Allen now, 20 years after the shooting. And this was huge to him because Allen was not only Vallejo PD's favorite suspect, but he was Bauert's favorite suspect as well. So after Mageau picked out Allen from the photo lineup, the Vallejo PD was once again trying to figure out how to make a case for arresting Arthur Lee Allen. But apparently Mageau's ID of him by itself was not strong enough to make that happen.
2: On August 26, 1992, Arthur Lee Allen died from a heart attack before the Vallejo PD could ever find enough evidence to arrest him as being the Zodiac.
3: This is the Vallejo man many investigators consider to be the notorious Zodiac killer. And this is the first time his picture has been revealed. His name is Arthur Lee Allen. Are you the Zodiac killer?
0: There there would be nothing farther from my mind. No, I'm certainly, most certainly not the Zodiac killer.
3: But at San Francisco State University this afternoon, I was on a panel with people considered authorities on the Zodiac case. And for the first time publicly, they said...
0: As far as I can tell, Allen seems to be the best suspect to come up with him. I feel that there are so many areas that point directly at Arthur Lee Allen that I feel that he is a viable suspect and in all probability at the Zodiac.
3: But investigators never charged Allen with any of the killings connected with the Zodiac. And last August, Allen died. I interviewed him a year earlier. He was 58 then, diabetic and on kidney dialysis. But back in the late 60s, when the clever killer known as Zodiac terrorized California, Allen was in his late 30s, 60 pounds heavier, strong, a biology graduate student. Police considered him a suspect almost since the beginning.
0: About the only way the heat will stop is if, well, if, if I die, that'll that, that'll cure it for me. Or if, if, if Zodiac himself uh, confesses. There's so many lies I caught him in. It's, uh, his denying things didn't have any relevance anymore.
3: The Zodiac killer taunted authorities and the media, sending complex letters and ciphers. And he's sometimes dressed in Navy bell-bottoms. Alan's father, who died about the time the killings began, was in the Navy. Alan wasn't. Yet he claimed he was.
0: What I did was paint, did a whole lot of painting on a refrigerator ship, and then I ended up being a third-class radarman, which doesn't have a whole lot to do with cryptography.
3: Today, Vallejo police investigators said they never charged Alan because they couldn't explain discrepancies in the Zodiac's handwriting. Alan sent me this handwritten and typed letter after our interview. They haven't arrested me before.
0: Because they can't prove a thing. I'm not the damn Zodiac.
3: The Zodiac killer or victim of years of police harassment. Arthur Lee Allen took the answer to his grave.
1: So in that news clip was one of the last interviews that Allen gave about having the Zodiac spotlight on him. But Morph, I think there are some things that we have to break down in relation to Arthur Lee Allen as a suspect in the Zodiac case, you know, first of all, we've got to talk about how Allen became a suspect to begin with. And that revolved around Allen's old friend, Don Chaney, going to police. And according to Chaney, Allen had laid out his plan to him in which he would kill people, call himself Zodiac, and send letters to police to taunt them. According to Cheney, Allen told him all of this prior to Zodiac's first attack on Lake Herman Road. And to me, Morph, if this statement is true, this is unbelievably damning evidence against Arthur Lee Allen. I
2: definitely think you're right about that, Mike. I think there's a couple possibilities here. And one is that Cheney was honest and Allen really did lay out his plan to him before the murder started. But the other possibility is that Cheney was lying altogether. And it turns out that Cheney may have had a reason to want to see Allen locked up. It's been alleged that Cheney's daughter was the victim of unwanted attentions from Arthur Lee Allen.
1: Another possibility is that if Allen really did tell Cheney this stuff, perhaps Allen also told other people as well. And it could have been that one of these other people he told about his plan actually went on to become Zodiac. But I don't know about that one, Morph, because Alan would have to be pretty dumb to lay out his plan to multiple people and also tell them the name that he planned to use before the murders even started. If Alan really was Zodiac, this would all fit like a glove. But it's almost like it's, it's too good to be true. I think it's important,
2: Mike, to talk about all the circumstantial evidence against Alan.
1: Alan wore a Zodiac
2: watch, that bore the same logo Zodiac used. Allen also seemed to fit the profile of what many people seemed to think would fit Zodiac. A loner, an outdoorsman, possibly latent homosexual, and a gun enthusiast. He lived in a basement, which is something Zodiac mentioned, and physically, Allen did fit the descriptions of Zodiac pretty well. He was husky or stocky, a pretty beefy guy over 200 pounds. But looks-wise, he didn't seem to match the sketch of Zodiac at all. Zodiac had a widow's peak hairline, whereas Allen was balding.
1: And we can't forget that Allen knew a lot about the most dangerous game. He admitted to police that he had been in Riverside previously to attend some auto races. We know that he had a criminal history. The writing from both of Allen's hands was compared to Zodiac's writing. They didn't match. No physical evidence tying Allen to the Zodiac crimes was ever found and none of the weapons that he owned was linked ballistically to the guns used by Zodiac. And we have to consider the strongest things that excluded Alan as being Zodiac and that's going to be print evidence and DNA. These are the two most reliable tools that investigators use today to solve crimes.
2: So in Allen's case, his fingerprints were compared to the bloody print found on Paul Stein's cab, and there wasn't a match. Additionally, while Zodiac took care not to leave fingerprints on his letters that he wrote, he likely wasn't aware of something called writer's palm. When Zodiac wrote the exorcist letter in 1974, he inadvertently rested his palm on the paper, leaving a writer's palm print, which police were able to recover. A palm print is just as unique as a fingerprint. No two are alike. Allen's palm print did not match the one found on the exorcist letter.
1: And as far as the DNA goes, investigators were able to find DNA on a Zodiac envelope from where he licked the stamp. Now, you got to remember, in the 60s and 70s, nobody had a clue about DNA. Not criminals, not the police. So Zodiac left his saliva under the stamp, on an envelope, and decades later, science would yield a DNA profile, but it would not match Arthur Lee Allen.
2: So I think in the end, Mike, there seemed to be a lot more ruling Allen out as being Zodiac than things that might have linked him to the crimes. And it's clear that Allen wasn't a choir boy, but the evidence suggests that he wasn't Zodiac.
1: And there are some in law enforcement that to this day, still think Allen was involved in the Zodiac murders, despite the DNA, despite the print evidence, excluding him. So I think that has to give you an idea of just how strong a circumstantial case there was against Arthur Lee Allen, but more. There's also a lot of people that think Allen was involved, but that maybe he had somebody helping him, you know, that maybe he didn't write the letters. And that's why, you know, that his DNA doesn't match. That's why maybe his palm print doesn't match.
2: Yeah, Mike, Arthur Lee Allen being part of a Zodiac team is something that's been looked at extensively. And as a matter of fact, Robert Graysmith, in his follow up book to Zodiac Unmasked, mentions a possible partner for Allen in the Zodiac crimes. And we're going to get into that on the next episode when we pick up the conversation about suspects. So the next big suspect from Graysmith's book, Zodiac, was a man named William Joseph Grant. Graysmith gave him the pseudonym Andrew Todd Walker in the book. Grant was turned in as a person of interest by a small team of police officers who had developed him as their favorite suspect. The team had compiled a report on Grant and turned it over to Zodiac investigators. The most well-known of this group was a retired California Highway Patrol officer, Lyndon Lafferty. Lafferty, in recent years, wrote a book about Grant. The book's called Silenced Badged, The Zodiac Killer Cover-Up.
1: Lafferty first came across Grant in the spring of 1970. Lafferty was a highway patrol officer at the time, and while on patrol, he became aware of a man in a car that seemed to be watching him, almost in an intimidating way, from across the freeway. Lafferty felt that this man was up to no good, and he decided to drive across the freeway underpass to the other side. He was going to check this man out. But when he got to the other side, the man and his car were gone. When Lafferty looked back across to the other side of the highway, where he had just come from, he saw that the man had taken the overpass to the spot where Lafferty had been parked. This started a pattern of cat and mouse that would last weeks. Lafferty
2: started to stake out that area over the next few weeks, and he saw this man repeatedly. They continued to play road games with each other. And it wasn't long before Lafferty learned that the driver was William Joseph Grant. Grant at the time was in his late 40s, and he was a stocky man over 200 pounds. He wore dark-rimmed glasses.
1: After the Vallejo PD received the report on Grant as a suspect, Les Lundblad started to look into him. Lundblad had Grant come in as a person of interest in the murder of Darlene Farron at Blue Rock Springs in Vallejo. There's been some rumor and accusation that Grant was a man frequently seen sitting in the diner where Darlene Farron worked. Others have accused him as being the unknown older man spotted at Darlene's house painting party shortly before her death. But nothing came out of this meeting between Les Lundblad and William Grant. And in the eyes of the Vallejo PD, he was dismissed as a suspect. So
2: as the small team of police that suspected Grant might be Zodiac continued to sort through his background, they found some interesting stuff. Grant had been in the military where he was an instructor in code and cipher training. They also learned that Grant was married to a woman that worked for a pretty powerful judge named Raymond Sherwin. And Judge Sherwin was heavily involved in the Sierra Club. I remember Sierra Club was one of the possible clues in one of the Zodiac ratings.
1: This small team of investigators kept a close watch on Grant. And this went into the mid 1970s. You know, they followed him. They suspected him of making heavy breathing calls as well as sending threatening notes to a female teacher in Vacaville. And this was a town that bordered Vallejo. They concluded that William Grant had a strong dislike for women and according to their findings, Grant had trouble with women in the workplace.
2: Eventually Grant grew tired of what he felt was harassment. It's alleged by Lafferty that Grant reached out to the judge who his wife worked for and that this judge used his connections to shut down any further harassment or investigation into Grant. It's not clear what, if any, involvement that judge actually had in shutting down an investigation against Grant. But we do know Grant was never charged or arrested in connection with any of the Zodiac crimes.
1: So you have to think that the code and cipher knowledge that Grant possessed was probably one of the most compelling pieces of information tying him to Zodiac. And then you have his physical description being fairly close to Zodiac. You know, we're talking about being stocky, wearing glasses. But Grant was much older than even the oldest description of Zodiac. Grant was 49 years old in 1969 when Zodiac was seen after fleeing the Paul Stein murder scene. And Grant didn't look much like the sketch of Zodiac either. Also, we have to think about what brought Grant into the Zodiac discussion in the first place. Was it really the fact that Lafferty had a run-in with Grant on the highway, and because they played some cat-and-mouse games, Lafferty thought he had to be the Zodiac? That's a pretty huge leap to make.
2: Several years ago, I reached out to a woman who worked with William Grant in real estate in the 1970s, and this woman knew him well. She said that he was always nice, and she never had any issues with him. Her exact words to me were, I can't conceive of Bill Grant being the Zodiac killer. She also noted that Grant had a lingering New England accent, having come from New England area originally. This was something that was never reported by any of the people known to have heard the Zodiac's voice.
1: Grant's writing was compared to Zodiac's, and it didn't match. And on top of that, the palm and fingerprints of Grant did not match those of the Zodiac. But the prints not matching, and Grant being officially ruled out as a suspect, did not stop Lyndon Lafferty. He went on to write his book about his efforts to overcome what he felt was a cover-up to protect Grant, and it was published in 2012. William Joseph Grant died that same year, and Lyndon Lafferty passed away in March of 2016. And Mike, not to
2: get too far off subject, but what you just said you know, sort of reminded me of something, reminded me of just how old this case is. And you realize that when you see the number of both suspects and investigators that have passed away in recent years. For instance, Napa County Sheriff's Detective Ken Narlo, who was really one of the nicest guys that I ever had the pleasure of talking to, he passed away in 2010. David Slate, the officer that took Zodiac's call after the Lake Berryessa attack, passed away in 2013. Nancy Slover, the dispatcher who took Zodiac's call after the Blue Rock Springs attack, died in 2012. That leaves Brian Hartnell as the only person left that is confirmed to have heard the Zodiac's voice. Guys like San Francisco Police Department inspectors Bill Armstrong and Dave Tosky are in their 80s and 90s now. So it's not out of the question to think that in a few years, almost everybody associated with this case in one way or another will be gone. It really puts into perspective just how historic this case is.
1: So it's really kind of sad, Morf, when you think about it. You have this iconic case and all of these people involved with the case that have this firsthand knowledge. And we're talking about investigators, potential suspects, all of these people, you know, are getting up there in age and are passing away. Yeah, you know, we're losing all of these people that are so relevant to the case. So let's move on to the other big suspect discussed in Smith's book, Zodiac. And this is one of the more well-known suspects. And it's a guy named Rick Marshall who was given the pseudonym Donald Jeff Andrews in the book.
2: And Mike, I think you're right. He was a real interesting character, which we'll get into. Ken Narrow told me he was an early favorite suspect of his. Rick Marshall was born in 1928 in Texas. So he was about 40 when the Zodiac struck on Lake Herman Road. He was a chubby man with black horn rimmed glasses. Marshall had been turned in by a pair of men that were convinced that he was the Zodiac. In the book and movie, the pair of tipsters was given the name Wallace Penny.
1: Rick Marshall was a big time old movie buff. And he had been a silent movie theater projectionist at a theater called The Avenue during the period when Zodiac was active. For some reason, the tipsters that turned in Marshall were convinced that he had recorded his murders on film. Marshall was also a ham radio fanatic, which was pretty popular back then. And there were a lot of people that think that Zodiac may have had an interest in ham radio. Rick Marshall
2: also owned a teletype machine and used teletype paper. A teletype machine was sort of an early fax machine or a computer. It was like a big typewriter that would send out whatever you typed up to other locations. But these machines weren't usually found in somebody's house. These were machines that businesses would typically use. So the fact Rick Marshall owned one was pretty rare. These machines used a paper size that was not very common. But it turns out that Zodiac also had used this kind of paper.
1: And there were some other interesting things that pointed to the fact that Marshall may have been a good Zodiac suspect. And like Arthur Lee Allen, he lived in a basement during the Zodiac murders. And we talked about how Zodiac mentioned his basement in one of his letters, which may have been a very big clue. And what I find very interesting is is that Marshall, just like Arthur Lee Allen, was reported to be ambidextrous. It was also said that Rick Marshall liked to write with felt tip pens, something that Zodiac was quite fond of doing.
2: And another thing that really jumps out is that before he had come to San Francisco, Marshall reportedly lived in the Riverside area in Southern California around the time of the Sherry Jo Bates murder there. So the connections for Marshall seem to be plentiful, and I think this is why he was such a popular suspect early on.
1: And we talked about what a big silent movie fan Rick Marshall was, and one of his favorite silent movies was called El Spectro Rojo, which translated as The Red Phantom. And we've already talked about how this film could have possibly been the motivation for Zodiac's Red Phantom Letter in 1974. Another interesting
2: tidbit was that Marshall used to create and draw movie posters for the movies that the theater was showing. The writing and design of these movie posters that he would create was a lot like some of the fancy artistic writing in some of the Zodiac's writings. And it wasn't just that. The writing itself looked a lot like Zodiac's. Sherwood Morrill said that Marshall's writing was some of the closest that he had ever seen to Zodiac's.
1: So there's a lot of circumstantial evidence against Rick Marshall as a suspect or as a person of interest in the Zodiac case. I mean, he checked a lot of the boxes that many people thought might apply to Zodiac. But as we know from so many cases, it's physical evidence That solves most crimes. And there was no physical evidence to tie Rick Marshall to the Zodiac case.
2: Yeah, there was no indication that Marshall ever owned or shot guns or that he ever was violent. It seemed that he was only a suspect because he fit the popular vision of what most people saw Zodiac as a loner, into movies, a bit of an oddball. Eventually, police checked Marshall's prints for comparison with the Zodiac case prints and there was no match. In
1: 1989, Rick Marshall was interviewed by the show Crimes of the Century, and he was asked about what it was like to be a Zodiac suspect.
0: I must have a double floating around. I hope the poor guy doesn't look like me, but the fact is that the characteristics you just mentioned fit me almost to a T. I really am startled at the mass and accuracy of the detail. And obviously, if they had been that forthcoming about that at the time, I would have understood why they were investigating me.
1: My innocence notwithstanding, uh, the details do fit. He sounded pretty understanding for somebody that was accused of being a serial killer. So Marshall's prints didn't match and he was moved to the back burner as a suspect but there were still some Zodiac investigators that thought he could be involved.
2: Rick Marshall died in a nursing home in September, 2008. It was reported that some investigators questioned Marshall on his deathbed. They wanted to see if he wanted to clear his conscience about being involved in the Zodiac case. He denied up to his death that he was Zodiac or had any involvement in the Zodiac murders.
1: Rick Marshall and Arthur Lee Allen were alike in many ways. And on paper, You know, they looked like great suspects. But as we talked about, there simply was no physical evidence connecting either men to Zodiac. But despite all of that, both Marshall and Allen remain at the top of many people's suspect lists in the Zodiac case.
2: So these were the first big three suspects in the Zodiac case written about in Graysmith's book Zodiac. But in the next episode of Criminology, we're going to discuss newer suspects that you may not have heard of that have been developed over the years, and some of them are really fascinating. And we're going to go deep into the classified Zodiac documents and discuss some suspects we know you've never heard of. So you don't want to miss part two of the Zodiac suspects. So before we close this episode out, I just want to read an email that we got from a listener that we thought was really cool. And I really love and appreciate the in-depth nature of Criminology Podcast. I'm a fan and subscriber. True crime all the time, unsolved, is awesome too. But being a Zodiac nerd, criminology has made me totally obsessed with the case again. I'm an audio engineer and have to say, you guys have done a great job with the audio quality. Thanks much for the hours of fun listening. The show makes my L.A. commute much more tolerable. Looking very forward to the suspects' discussion. So I think that's pretty awesome that he gave you and Gibby a shot over at true crime all the time and kudos too for your audio skills, Mike.
1: Now that's an awesome email and that's pretty cool, right? So he listens to criminology, listens to a little T cat unsolved. And Gibby will be happy about that.
2: Yeah. You got to give the Gib- Gibby, give shout outs for the Gibby fans in the house. I have to, if you want to send us an email about the case or the podcast, send your emails to criminology at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail by calling 661-77-CRIME. Remember, we may use your email or voicemail on the air. And we're still hoping to get as many of your theories and unanswered questions for the Loose Ends episode at the very end of Season 1. So be sure to get them to us.
1: And if you would, take a minute, go out, rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite Android app.
2: And don't forget to find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter with the handle criminology pod. And you can find us on Facebook by searching criminology podcast. And if you want to join the discussion about the podcast or the Zodiac case, you can also join us on our Facebook discussion group. That's called criminology podcast discussion and fans. We've got 125 members so far and it's a pretty fun group. So we hope you come by and check it out.
1: So more, that is it for episode nine season one criminology. We've got more in store. You know, next week, we're going to finish out this suspect discussion. I'm looking forward to that. So we'll catch you on the next episode of Criminology.